Competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. On the planet. With your host, Paul Murphy, and expert coach, Nick Nanavati. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Art of War podcast. My name is Paul Murphy, your host. I'm joined by Nick Nanavati. What's going on, everybody? How are you doing today, Nick? I'm great, Paul. I'm feeling nice and ready to talk about some 40K today. Well, uh, well, I'm glad because we also have Damian Owen. Damian, you just won the Boise Quest last weekend. Happy to have hey. you here on the show. Thank you, guys. It's a freaking hoot to be here. Yeah, uh, Damian. Well, well, also, you won it with orcs in a list that everyone's forgotten about. Yeah, I did it with the old uh, the old goths. They, uh, yeah, I spent a fair amount of time with Mark Perry, kind of coaching me on how to do some different things, and I took something a little bit different in this one. But yeah, there, I think there's a lot of potential in orcs, even into the meta. That's awesome. Or, orcs are like an army we haven't really heard much about. I know Ar- Mark is a diehard orc player, art of war coach extraordinaire. So really excited to see you guys working on it. We're going to unpack that. Before we get too deep, I do want to let everyone know this is part one of a two-part episode. Uh, part one is free to listen to. Part two is for subscribers uh, on our website, Patreon, YouTube. You name it, lots of ways to get in on part two. Uh, and part two will be going over uh, like how to specifically pilot the list into various different factions and matchups. In part one, we're going to uh, be going over the, the, a little bit of the list itself, overall strategy. And then we've got a segment coming up later in the show called The Brutal and Cunning, or The Cunning and Brutal, depending on uh, which way you look at it. And very fitting, considering we're talking about orcs today. <laughs> All right, David, I'm very excited. Like, let's cut to the chase. What is this beautiful orc army that you piloted to the Boise Quest? I got three. I got three patrols. Uh, I got a uh, a war boss on uh, a beast boss on Squigosaurus. I got beast snagaboy unit, and then I got mega knobs in there, and then I got a kill rig in there, and. That's that patrol, and then I just have another patrol with a war boss on Warbike, and then there's also Boss uh, Zagstruck in there, and then there's... Actually, Boss Zagstruck wasn't even in this one. I didn't take him. And then there was just a war boss with the Mega Armor, so he could deep strike as well, and there are... That's the third patrol. He's in charge of the third patrol, and basically they're all identical with Having uh, one more kill rig, so there's only two kill rigs in total, and then there's another Mega Knob squad in there. And then there were some um, Squig Hog boys, a couple of those dudes, um, and a couple of different squads. And um, yeah, that was uh, that was basically it. So there were like eight, eight Squig Hog boys, two squads of four, and um, those things are interesting. And then there were two squads of commandos, and that's uh, spread over three patrols. So it's more loop. Let me just get all this straight so we're all on the same page. You got two kill rigs full of mega knobs. You got um, no, 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 two, no two, two kill rigs full of beast snagger boys. And beast then snagger. I have a third squad just sitting on the floor. So I'll shoot one out and then reload it with the other ones that are standing next to it. Gotcha. So like one unit, one unit disembarks, the the ones hanging around is going to get back in and kind of like cycles the the units into the kill rigs. Mm-hmm. You like all those so mega knobs though. Mega what, are, what are the mega knobs? How many mega knobs are there? And what are they doing? There's ten. There's ten mega knobs, and they all got scorches, and so they just they're just deep striking and making nine inch charges. But they had the pyromaniac keyword, 
instead of giving them the uh, instead of giving them whatever the the truck boy keyword that I normally do. So that was like one of the main differences that I had tried because I was like, I wonder what pyromaniacs is like. With and pyromaniacs just gives you when you do the flamer shots, it can go no less than three shots per per guy. So it's actually you know it's a lot of yeah, it's thirty flamers minimum. (laughs) (laughs) You can't really live with that. At strength, at strength five, it's you know, it's not bad. Minus one too. Strength five, minus one. Yeah. So normally you see mega knobs going in as truck boys riding around trucks doing turn one charges. You didn't do that at all. You just deep struck these with pyromaniacs. Did you have any yeah. truck boys? I didn't in this one. Nope. I normally do. I normally, I normally absolutely do. I just felt like, um, I don't know. I just felt like. I wanted to shake it up a little bit and just see how something else felt. Cause I've been running truck boys. I rode those, ran those at LVO. Um, and I just wanted to, I don't know, try something else out for fun. Yeah. I mean, why not? It seems to be doing pretty well for you on the Boise quest with it. So, uh, there's two kill rigs. There's teens squig hog boys. Uh, your HQs are, is a war boss on bike and what else? War boss on bike, a war boss, with the beast boss on squigasaurus and then a war boss in mega armor and he's got um the, the crunch armor or man i can't hold on let me let me pull it up properly <laughs> it's the crusher armor and then he's got art of nails on him so then he's like just minus one to wound he'll do if he makes a charge then he'll do uh, on the two up he'll do uh, d3 mortal wounds and so he's just hard to kill, and that gives him a one-up, four-up invulnerable save. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, the orc characters can go absolutely uh, crazy mode with the the squigasaur that guy. The bike my guy, he goes super far and charges. Right? How far does he go? Twenty inches and then charges. Yeah. yeah. So this army, if I'm trying to understand it, it's just applying a pressure. It's just applying pressure from the get-go all the time. Is there more to it than that, or is that the basic premise? No, no that's it, man. It's really, it's really actually. I mean, you know, you played against a variation of it at LVO, Nick. I'm like, I mean, you know, turn one, it can just be all up in your face. Um, and that's that's all it does, really. It's just hits you in. Basically, I would say, like, two major waves is what happens. Like, the first wave hits you, and then the Squigasaurus boss, uh, the Beast boss, Squigasaur guy, and the Kill Rig come in second and hit you with a bunch of boys, basically. And that's the round. That's the second engage. And all those dudes, because they're goths, right? Like, and they're around that beast boss guy. That means they all hit on twos and explode on sixes. It's, and then, you know, <clears throat> in other variants of the list, which I've kind of evolved into, which we're not really talking about, but you put Warpath on those dudes, it's like, it's a lot of attacks that come out of the, just a 10 man, not a uh, beast mega squad. So I've seen the the style of Oryx, and we played that game at LVO. I've seen Mark run it a bunch of times, and he worked on this list with him, where you just run across table, turn one, call the log, charge someone, overwhelm them. Do you typically get table doing this, right? You're not actually necessarily killing your entire opponent's army, but you're racking up head on the points on the scoreboard. Is that the plan? Um. So I've, I've had it be super successful where it does just kill them and table them. Um, by, like, turn three, they're tabled. You know, I, I feel like more often than not, though, it just corners their your opponent, and then they can't get out, and then you do exactly what you said. Yeah, you just kind of win through the attrition um the, yeah. the battle of attrition yeah you kind of you front load your entire game plan so you could either run someone over with that but even if you don't like you've stood on 70 80 percent of the table for the first three turns and your opponent's been backed in the corner so even if they kill everything and defend properly 
you know, turns four and five are not enough to catch back up on the scoreboard is the idea. Precisely. Yeah. Back to the quarter. You mean you've taken over all the real estate. Like you've actually, <laughs> uh, they don't have a place to put their models uh, without engaging <laughs> yours. Is that, is that right? Uh, That's exactly right. And you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like the, uh, I don't think it's like a, a foolproof plan every time. And the tricky part, well, I, you, you might ask the question later on. Yeah. But that's generally the premise. <laughs> well, what, what is the tricky part? Get into it. Cause like, it sounds so brutal and not it, that cunning, but you know, <laughs> where's the cunning part? So the cunning part is like, when do you do that charge? So like I found out, like you found out in that game with LVO, right? Like you dug your way out of it because, uh, I, you, and I actually lost a game yesterday with this list, but this is this one I'm running truck boys in, which I think, by the way, is way better because truck boys go, you know, a minimum of 30 inches when you have mega knobs and trucks with the war boss and truck and they're all truck boys. Those dudes go 30 inches. So I think it's a, a much more because uh, now they fit a lot. Yeah, they fit really naturally with the style because they allow you to pick when you do that charge. But how do you pick yeah. that charge? So that's the tricky thing. Like, you got to know. It's very important to be able to assess, like when I played against you, like you, that, that, that was the real first lesson that I'd ever had. And I'd played like 30 or 40 games of the list before I even played you, Nick. And that was the first lesson where I was like, whoa, because I thought, man, the, very game sweet. Is over. the game is freaking over. Like even Mark was like, yeah, the game's over. Like Mark was standing there watching it happen. So I, and, but then after that, I was like, okay, so there are not, this is not an all like if you go first, it is not just you don't just go all in on it and allow and allow your opponent just to kind of hammer their way out and figure it out. I think once there become gaps in their in their units, that's when you want to seize the initiative on that basically and like go in. So you have if they're all capitalized, if they're all grouping up on each other and applying uh, taking up the real estate with no gaps, your flamers can't always just shoot holes in it. Because it doesn't have a lot of shooting, right? You got the las cannons coming off of the kill rigs. You got some psychic powers coming off the kill rigs, and uh, that's that's it's it's very minimal amount that you're going to really be shooting through. I mean, the flamers aren't nothing, but it it's still just not enough to really get in to where you, all the juicy spots where you really want dudes to get into. So I so, think allowing your sorry, go ahead. No, I didn't mean to interrupt. Basically, if I could try to summarize this, you're. If someone is really well defended, kind of like I was in our game before, then it can almost be a trap for you to send your whole army in turn one because the damage isn't going to go exactly where you want it if, you're, if your opponent is, well, is very clever. And then yeah. they can fight their way out of it and catch back on the scoreboard. So if, the, if your only plan is like, I'm going to go forward, I'm going to charge him because that's all your list is designed to do. That's the premise. And I defend super well against it. What do you do in, in, to combat that? You know, how do you... So that that's where beautiful obscuring terrain comes in. Right. So you have to, and, and I think you put something, I think typically what I, what I do is I'll put like a kill rig out in a position that would be easy for them to kill it more or less, or not even easy, but gives them an opportunity to kill it, but they have to kind of go way over here to get it. Right. Or, you know, they got to step on this side or whatever. So as their army shifts to that direction to go for the bait, then it creates those gaps. And so you declare that that wall in turn two, which is, which is great too, because then it gives you, you know, you get turn two, turn three with the wall. So really it just depends about being able to see where you can hit them the hardest um, with having the gaps. I think that's the biggest thing is 
how many gaps they have in between their units. And, when you say and gaps, what, what are you looking for specifically? Like the spacing in between individual models? Uh, the spacing in between units. Yeah. So as long as there is, I'd say like a, a two inch, about a two inch gap between units, if they're all clustered up and there's not, there's not two inches between, you know, a majority of the units, you're, not, you're just not going to be able to get in there. And one of the cool tricks that I really like being able to do is where you'll charge with like a, a B-snag of boys squad, a 10-man B-snag of squad. And then what you'll do is you will charge in with something else as well and you'll kill that unit. And then you can pay one CP and then the B-snag of boys can then consolidate and pile in six inches. So that gives you 12-inch move. And they just go in there and touch everything. And so I, I think that's a really cool way to even hem them even further in their deployments. I do that all the time to people. And they're like, what? Because 12 inches is a long way when you're piling in and consolidating. Oh, yeah. I think one of my favorite tricks is to have, like, your, in this case, your Beast Naga boys and say, like, a, a war boss charge something. And your war boss goes first and he kills all of the dudes. And then your Beast Naga boys still get to activate and pile six, consolidate six. You get so much movement out of that. It's so much movement. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, do you find yourself almost like a, with a like a game within a game? I mean, I see people. Kill rigs seem to be almost like a skill tester uh, to where you know they're on these big bases. They're very impactful models, um, but then we have to deal with like stuff. The actual battlefield itself and your opponent's units. It's do you have like a game within your game uh, within for yourself with like kill rig management? So, you know, I, I mean, I, I played Admech for a long time, um, and I would always run airplanes. So I'm kind of used to those big bases. Now, granted, airplanes obviously are going 40 inches, so it's not really the same thing. But, um, I, yeah, that is the other... Well, you bring up an excellent point, Paul. You really, really do. So in your deployment, and we're, now if we're especially talking about, like, deploying the terrain yourself, right? How it's... Uh, you have to absolutely manage how far apart the different pieces of terrain are. It's great to have the obscuring, but man, you only create four-inch gaps between each piece of terrain because you're like, well, I need to block all of the terrain from shooting all my stuff. And you have created yourself what we call a gridlock because the, especially if you're running the trucks in addition to it, it's like, okay, you have to go in a specific order. Like Trucks have to go first, then boys have to get out. And, and it's interesting, the, the formula for me right now is I will get out, I will go trucks first. Well, I will go like the, the war boss and war bike guy first because he goes 20, right? So he just cruises ahead. And then a lot of times, especially if they're like up on the line and they're close, I'll even try to go the beast boss and squigasaur second because if he rolls a six and he gets a 16-inch move, this is if I pop the wall and turn one. Then he'll get a 16-inch move and be able to charge into their lines. But if they're back further, then you have to go kill. You have to go kill rigs last because those dudes will absolutely take up just all the space. So it, it it is a it is quite a Tetris game to play sometimes. Do you find that your army is almost a format dependent? Where if you play on a table that just has too much like obscuring terrain or, or walls, ruins, things you can't move through, your army doesn't function, or has that not been an issue? I haven't had it been too much of an issue so far. I played a lot of player place terrain, and then I've also played a lot of just kind of um, 
yeah, like static terrain where, you know, the TO set it up the way they set it up. I, I haven't had that be too much of an issue, to be honest. Like, I'm glad you actually brought up player place terrain. I know you in particular have been quite experienced with player place terrain. You played a variety of formats with them. And even before it was popularized, you've been doing it. So uh, why don't we take a detour from your org list for just a couple minutes and talk about your approach to player place terrain. Like, how do you do it? It's a question I get all the time as a coach. So I love your expertise here. So, I mean, again, it depends on what kind of list you're playing. If I'm playing my ad mech, um, in it, so my old ad mech that I used to play, it was extremely shooty, right? So I love, and this is so in, in different formats that you play, like, so out on the East Coast um, with a lot of the Warzone guys, they would play where it's just three inches that you have to be from each other, right? And the frontline gaming, and, and the other interesting part about the way they did it is they would do it where you could put terrain anywhere on the table. It wasn't just your half of the board. Now, I don't know if that's the best way or the worst way. I, I think they're both have their, um, you know, like with frontline gaming, right? You can only deploy the terrain on your half of the field. Um, and by your half, it means whatever side you're on. Though. So I, I think, um, yeah, I think they both have their nice little quirks, but if I'm a super shooty, it, if I'm a super shooty army, sometimes I'll take all of those ruins and I will literally flip them inside so that they're facing, so they're useless pieces of terrain. And I would put it four inches from the side in each corner and I just open up the complete board so that there is nothing but just shooting as much as possible with the, with a more combat army. Pretty cool because you have to be able to utilize the obscuring but not block yourself in. So that that is quite a game in itself where being able to like create alleys of where you, cause you have to almost guess like, okay, well, where are they going to put the majority of their army? Obviously it depends as well as what mission you're playing. Like you get that mission where you're having to put, you know, there's like four objectives in the center of the field. You know which one I'm talking about? I, it's uh, not, not death and zeal. It might be death. I think, and it's, zeal. I think it's tide of conviction. You're thinking is it tide of conviction? Yeah, I mean, you end up playing that, right? Like, well, you got to really be careful where you put it. Number one, you can't put all the terrain on the center of the objective. So you got to take that into consideration as you're putting like your big, huge main buildings and then you got your little tinier buildings. So like, yeah, I, I think that it's um, player place terrain. You can literally lose the game by, by the way that you put down some terrain. I've had, I've had games where I have won the game because they literally didn't know how to put terrain down correctly. And uh, the other the other cool thing you can do with terrain too is okay. Look, you're going against a, a night player, or you're going against uh, you know Crusher Stampede, or you know even my list, right? You can absolutely funnel where I go. They put a piece in the center. That's great. You that means you put two pieces on the on the side, creating like literally this is the only path where this thing can drive through. So now you've created yourself a hot gates, which is in great defense to you know, going against the list like mine. Now I have some infantry where I can counter it. So it's really, you're funneling just the kill rigs, but against knights and stuff, that's, that's a really interesting tactic to be able to make them go a path that you want them to go. Um, yeah. And then I've, I've definitely used that to destroy armies like knights or even your orcs or similar types of things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a big deal. Awesome. Well, I don't want to detour too hard from. Uh, well, no. Let's talk about let's talk about secondaries because uh, that's one of those things I think. Well, terrain, how far you know what you can do, what you can actually accomplish on the table. Uh, secondary choices has a lot to do with that. Do you have a set 
like routine of secondaries you enter the game with, and then what would make you change your mind about what those common choices are for you? Yeah, so secondaries are cool. Um, stomp them good is one I usually take because who kills more orcs? Who kills more in combat than orcs? You know, I mean, not 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 many. Maybe custodies. How does stomp them good work again? Just a refresher. So, yeah, stomp them good is um, basically you. It's you have to kill more in combat than your opponent kills in combat. And more number of units? More number of units, that's correct. And then if your opponent kills, and then you also have to, if you you get three points for doing that, if you kill more than them in combat. If you kill at least two units and double them, you get four points. So what I love is, if you're going against like Tau or something, all you have to do is usually kill like two units in combat. And then you get four points because what are they going to kill in combat, right? So I, I I like that one a lot just because it's it has nothing to do with any other phase. They take grind them down. They're like, well, I killed six things in the shooting phase. I'm like, great. How many things did you kill in combat? Oh, goose egg, fantastic. I get four <laughs> points. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a fun one to take. I I take I honestly most times I take stranglehold of my list because I got three ten man obsec units um, and they're coming towards you I, honestly most times i leave my base objective alone i don't i'm not even in my deployment zone with anything anymore right, I, need, I need to pause you real quick because i've watched mark do it i've watched you do it this is is absolute insanity to me but i cannot <laughs> argue with results you leave your home objective like you know how there's a backfield objective sitting in your deployment zone you're like this is the one i'm going to hold for an easy four every turn my my home objective you just ditch it you're like i don't need that what how is that. that a viable strategy I mean, because I'm I'm in your deployment zone, right? I mean, I'm that's what Mark says. I'm in your deployment zone, so I'm either doing I'm either doing that, and 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 typically, if I know I'm coming super into your zone, I'll take behind enemy lines. Um, I, you know, but that one that one's I don't I don't necessarily I've kind of leaned away from that more recently because I've just been playing custodies so much. To be honest, that's what it felt like. I just feel like I'm just playing for tons of custodians. And so uh, it doesn't work as well with them because they don't really have a lot that stay in their back of, in their deployment zone. They're coming at you to fight you. So I, I, and then I, I, I will take, which I've tried taking, I, I'm still trying to experiment with it, but psychic interrogation. I don't know how you guys feel about it. I hate it. <laughs> I, I think. It, it makes a lot of sense as a secondary. I want to like it. I've tried it a bunch of times, but every time I've tried it, I've gotten like a six. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, dude. They're like, I got, you know, again, against custodians. I'm like, well, they got three characters. It's going to be great. It's going to be easy. They have a hard time killing my kill rigs. I could just psychically interrogate each turn. My powers don't really matter anyway because it's Emperor's Chosen. So, like, I try to do it, and they're like, Sisters of Silence. I roll a four. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of like incidental denies out there, uh, like that are people that are actually playing. Yeah, and then like if if you're going first, like maybe you're not in range to try it on turn one, then like you get denied later on. You're like, man, this sucks. Yeah, so uh, that one, that one, uh, the third one that I usually take, honestly, if you have three characters, I take assassinate. I do it every time because I'm like, well, <laughs> you take assassinate. You're like, screw banners, screw rods. I'm not doing yeah. any of that normal stuff. Yeah, because I I feel like when you take when you take banners, what I'm gonna so that means I'm either using a mega knob squad or I'm using one of my characters. I mean, I mean, I'm using a mega knob squad or I'm using my beast snaga boys to freaking put down banners. 
And I just, that makes me yeah, feel bad. You got better stuff bad. to do. I got better stuff to do, man. But let, yeah, let man. me go back to my original question here. Cause I actually like the simplicity of your plan, right? Stomp them good, assassinate, hold the objectives. We're going to kill them. It's awesome. Hold, hold their objectives. <laughs> hold their objectives. <laughs> well, why aren't you holding your own objectives? That's what I'm getting at. Like, why can't you take a unit of 10 grots and just leave it back there? Well, Cause I don't have any grots, but I, <laughs> I, uh, what I will do though, is after the truck, after the, so in my normal list, again, this one was a little bit different, but in my normal list, I have trucks. And so the trucks, after they drop their payloads off, they back up and go to my deployment zone, to be fair. And okay, that, that's like a legit answer though. Cause like now yeah. you're not going to spend 50 points going out of your way for this garbage grot, you know, you have an empty truck that just goes backwards. Yeah. And so usually my trucks, and again, so I didn't run them in this one, but normally I got two trucks. And so one truck will go over here, you know, and go grab an objective way far away. And then the other one will go back to my deployment zone and grab the other one. And then, you know, what are you going to, like, and by the time you chew through all that stuff, even if you kill it all, I'm at least holding two objectives and getting, you know, 12 points on my, you know, or depending on the mission, but uh, 12 or or four points um, for the remainder of the game. So you blow up my two trucks, which are in obscuring sitting in my deployment zone and way over there in no man's land. Um, Yeah, I found those things to be very useful in later games. So I have a bit more of a philosophical question with your army. When you just deploy it, and you're out there, you're doing what it does, you're like, I'm going to charge you turn one, maybe turn two. That's the big question. Um, What happens if you go second and your opponent just shoots you? So that's the interesting thing. I I have <laughs> this is yeah this is uh this is yeah is this where the wheels yeah. fall off? <laughs> this, this, oh this man, where... when those opponent just does stuff. If they take a turn, it's all over. So you know, okay, let's take uh, let's take Harlequins for example. Okay, Vo- nine Void Reaver list. Let's take that. Put that on the table. Let's put that okay. on the table against me. So they go first, right? They go twenty three inches or whatever, 23 inches, and then they shoot, you know, 18 shots into me with the with the, with the big voids. So, like, averagely, okay? And there should normally be a piece of dense. Is it fair to say there should be a piece of dense in my in my deployment zone somewhere that I got to deploy? I, I think Yeah, I mean, if you play your place terrain, you can create that scenario. I know in, like, most formats, you'll, you'll find a force somewhere. I'll buy it. Okay, so let's just say that I got a force somewhere. I usually tow in my kill rigs on that piece of terrain like that. Um, and, and the funny part is, and this, this is where it comes into, if you're playing a great player or not, play, or not as a, that's not, that's, that's too harsh. If you're playing a more experienced player or a less experienced player. Now I think it's interesting when you play against those less experienced players, I will put trucks literally, if I'm playing with my truck, boys, I will put the trucks in the open, straight up in the open. And, and they will still go after kill rigs in the dense terrain. I'm like, well, this. And I, now, if you're playing against the, if you're playing against an experienced guy, he's going to try to go after your trucks and all. Man, they don't know you're going to bring those trucks back and control objectives. <laughs> they don't know. But I know. The kill, I know. Yeah, Nick, <laughs> Nick knows. So, like, but with the Harlequin list, right? It's it's 18 shots. Hey, you're hitting me on fours. No rerolls. That's nine shots. You're winning me on fours. No rerolls. Great. That's only like five. I'll give you five. Um, and that means I, I hit one six and you don't even pop a kill rig. That's not even one kill rig. And now you're 23 inches closer to me. Good luck. Uh, Good yeah, actually, luck. that's true. You, they wound you on three. So the nine hits would be six wounds. It'd be six. Wounds. Either way. And so you, it's, it's still the same kind of thing, though, right? Like, yeah, yeah, maybe you sure. pop a kill rig. Do you do you have a six up in or not? 
Yeah, he's got a six up in bone. Okay, so five go through. It's 10d3 damage, 20 wounds. It should kill about a kill rig if they put all nine Void Weavers into it. That's actually not, not crippling. It, like for It's not crippling. It's, it's not crippling. Because now he's... How far out of position is he, right? Like, that means out of those nine, one of them you can fall back and shoot with next turn. That's fine. Unless I use my Beast Naga thing where I keep you in combat for two CP on a four up, which I don't like using that because I only start with four CP. So that's not something I typically like. Because you have all the patrols, right? As, uh, yeah, I, I got all the And then I pay for all the upgrades and all the characters, too. So I Orcs don't that. have strats. They spend it all pregame. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's uh, no, I, I want to save the specific match talk for, for part two. That's where we really get into the details of how to beat Harlequin. So that's a teaser. We, we literally just gave you a teaser uh, of part two, everybody. Well, we are um, talking about command points, though. So let me, let me, let's, let me jump into this, yeah. you know, being cognizant of the time. Uh, we talked, uh, you know, something we've introduced on the show is like a, a combo segment. Like, what is... Uh, a combo in your army that you are—you always want to keep a, you know, I know you th- you start a little thirsty for command points, but you always want to keep a couple in your back pocket for X, Y, Z. Is there, are there one of those things or a situation that you engineer on the table uh, to give you an advantage? So some of my most favorite, one of my most favorite combos, it's not really even a combo, I guess, but like if you go to charge with a unit and like tower, like, okay, let's do your charge or custodians are like tangle foot grenades. So now you're slow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. Guess what? That's a core unit tide of muscle for one CP. I don't care. <laughs> that one gets people a lot. They don't know that you can remove all negative modifiers, even in dense terrain, all that crap off one core unit when they go to make a charge. I think that's fantastic. I think that yeah. still counts a combo that your opponent has participated in. Yeah. Um, so that's good because they waste CP on that, right? And so it makes you extra feel good because you're like, man, you wasted CP and it didn't even do anything. And it only cost me one. Uh, um, I'm going to call that the cunning side of the cunning <laughs> of a brutal. I, I love the orc version of cunning. We're going to use a stratagem. <laughs> <laughs> then um, another little kind of interesting thing is is actually, you know, the kill rigs shooting out a squad and then reloading it. So then it moves up the table with another squad. So you got boys on the table. That That's not really like a combo, but it's like a, we kind of talked about it earlier, but I think it's an interesting thing to have an extra boy squad sitting on the table. And sometimes too, people will just go and like shoot at those boys. And I'm like, well, that's great. <laughs> like you just wasted some shot into some six up in bone save boys. T5 six up in bone save boys are not that easy to kill. You have to actually put some, some nonsense in them to kill them. Um, but uh, uh, if you're playing against the night player or whatever, I think it's called uh, uh, Bring Them Down or Nah, I know what it is. The Big A Day Is. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that'll put two extra damage onto your beast boss. And so that, like, that makes him flat four damage. And with Brutal But Cunning, whoo, don't, and don't let you like put the, the Fist of Gork on him too where it ups his strength. Um, I think, and, and attacks, that, that's pretty cool, because that makes it flat four damage into something with Titanic, you know, and with Knights coming out, it's going to be relevant, going to be relevant. Um, I, I know we're teasing, but, you know, part two just a little bit, but do you, the, the Orcs, obviously there's a lot of strong list out there in the environment right now, and, and the Orcs, you know, got a lot of press for a little while, and now they seem to be, you know, I don't, I, I made a joke about them being forgotten about, uh, but you obviously still think they have what it takes, uh, you know, how, how confident, uh, do you feel going into to tournaments and, and what, what do you look for, you know, when you, when you're talking about making different choices in your list? 
So I think that I think they are fantastic, um, especially if you run into like you don't play people multiple times in tournaments, right? Now I I think and that, I think that's what it requires for people is them to have multiple games into this type of list to be able to to prepare for it. So the majority of people have not played into this goffy you know in your face kind of list. The majority of people just haven't, um, and so I think. When you go through tournaments, those first few rounds, you just catch so many people off guard. Um, and in, and like, for example, custodies players, I mean, those dudes think they're invincible. So they come to the middle of the table and I'm like, fantastic. You get tabled by turn three. Um, because I, do, I mean, so, okay, let's just do a little teensy bits of math. Like a five man squad of bikes, Virtus Praetor bikes will die to mega knobs all my mega knobs hitting them they will die even with transhuman i don't care about rerolls. so like um that's that's just one thing and if they lose a five-man bike squad that's uh not that people are really running five-man bike squads that much anyway but that's just an example so like they you know i i i'll tell you what man i'm 15 and one against uh custodies right now with my goths no, I'll, I'll buy it the uh your army hits like there, there's a real truth to what you're saying right now is that um, you know, conceptually, your army is is pretty brutal. You just deploy it, goes forward, it charges people, overwhelms them. That's not rocket science. But it's seeing is believing. You know, like your army is is so good at. It. I've been on the receiving end of it. I've watched Mark play. There's there's us describing it verbally in this podcast, and there's having two thousand points of orcs in your deployment zone on bottom of turn one. <laughs> I love that. Though. I mean, I have a strong belief that if you're going to participate as an assault army. The more points you commit to it, generally, the better you do. And this list does seem to have, like, I don't know, 105% of its capacity devoted. <laughs> yeah, the backfield <laughs> objective holders are the truck after it's unloaded the points. <laughs> That's, That's exactly awesome. right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, okay. David, you're playing in a tournament today, like right after you get I, off of Yeah, literally, literally, I'm like sitting in the parking lot, like waiting on these, uh, waiting on uh, the... The thing to go. I, I did lose a game yesterday, but I'm sorry. What were we gonna say, Paul? Yeah. Oh no! I just want to be uh, considered every time, and also I want to know when we when we come back for part two. You, by the way, everyone, you probably do want to hear part two. Uh, we're gonna be fresh. We're gonna be right off the experience. We're gonna know exactly uh, how you you did with these matchups and and get deep into how you combat various oh. things people will see out there. I played against a triple storm surge, triple riptide yesterday. And uh, tabled him. So there's there's a little there's a little there's a little bit for you. Hey man, there's no spoilers. Oh yeah, yeah. Just keep it for tiny part spoilers. two. Save part tiny, two. Tiny, tiny spoilers. Little tiny. Spoilers. You got a little bit. I love the dedication oh, okay. though. Recording from the parking lot. I think that is a first for the Ardor podcast. <laughs> like this, is, we're bringing up to the minute information from people that are actually out there in the field uh, playing in these events, and it's been Damon. It has been great talking with you, and I don't want to hold you up anymore before oh. you can get in there and uh, bash some skulls. Yeah, I'm gonna try my best. I, I, I have to say this too about the orcs. You know, I'm playing Admech for I played Admech for like I don't know, like five or six years, only Admech, and switching to this, this has been the most fun. I've had in 40k win or lose it doesn't matter this has been the most fun I've had in 40k ever like my ad medic was awesome I enjoyed it I think I think they're great I mean Siegler obviously took took the freaking LVO with them because they're you know it's, like there's, it's there's another a list lot. people have forgotten about yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot there's a lot to 
um, to Admech. And I think they are fantastic. But the, I don't know, man, there's just something about the, you know, it does seem very simple on the outside. And, and I, I, this is something that we really didn't touch on that much, but I think it's ex- extremely important. And I, you know, you may, you guys may disagree, but, you know, the finesse of the combat phase and then the movements of the oscillation of the, your, your units pivoting around other units, tying other units in, keeping things in combat, um, and like where you pile in and how you pile in and how you do all these different things like that. I mean, it's this list, I'll tell you this, this list, it lives and dies in the movement phase and in, and in the pile in and consolidation phase, all the fighting and all that stuff. That's great. But those movements are where you will win and, and lose those games. Uh, Regular listeners uh, will know we believe the same thing. Actually, when you're moving, when you're uh, manipulating your models on the on the table, it's it's one of the most critical phases of the game. And uh, even when you're playing a bombastic savage orc, (laughs) (laughs) precise. No, I mean that's where the tactics to your army really come in. It's not about the nuances of let me move my kill rig at you. It's it's about the nuances of once I'm there, how do I micromanage my pylons and consolidates? How do I trap stuff? How do I sequence the combats, manage my three command points that you start with for interrupts? That's all very real tactically. So a little hard to co- to cover in this episode, but we cover all kinds of tactics just like that in the war room. That's where our members join the community and learn to have, get better at Warhammer. We have some of the best players in the world teaching Warhammer, preaching Warhammer, playing Warhammer, all for you in the war room. Check it out. We got tactics classes and so much more. All right, that's yeah. enough of my spieling. No, no. If this is the first time you're joining us, please do not forget to like, share, and subscribe. Leave some comments. Leave us some five-star reviews. Uh, and if you want to hear more from Damien, you got to tune in for part two, uh, which you can subscribe over on the website. Uh, Nick, anything else you want to have before we wrap this up? No, I think this is an awesome episode. Damien, thank you so much for coming on. You've been a pleasure to talk to. Oh, man. You guys, I, I, I have to say, man, you guys bring a lot to the community in allowing the bar to be raised um, so that um, new or mediocre players, and I don't mean that insultingly, it's just with experience. What's the difference between a master and apprentice? The apprentice, I mean, the master has failed more times than the apprentice has attempted. So, like, you you guys bring a great amount, uh, and you guys have failed, you know, like, in your Art of War stuff, you guys have done the failings. So, that creates the masterfulness of it. Um, and I, so, I appreciate the expertise that you guys bring and in, in, in all of the years of experience because I, I i think you are greatly increasing the bar for people in, in like the medium bar is being raised by the work that you guys are doing so yeah I, I i i could not agree more i hope people do subscribe more and listen more and because you want to get better at 40k these are the guys to help you do it this Thank conversation so much, is Danny. yeah so yeah this conversation is not over we'll see you on part two like what you just listened to Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. TheArtOfWar40K.com